podcast where the ancient Christian faith is brought to bear on issues prevalent in modern culture. We're your hosts. I'm Father Wesley Walker. And I'm Father Creighton McElveen. And we are very excited to resume sort of our short episode format that we had started this past season. Um, we just released uh, last week our um, kind of long form episode on the seven deadly sins. And so this week we're going to maybe go with something a little lighter. Um, you know, it is fan- peak fantasy football season right now. We're recording this the week before NFL season starts. And so everybody's in the middle of their fantasy drafts. So we thought it might be good for us to do a fantasy draft. But instead of football players, we are drafting patristic works of theology. Patristic works of theology. We are roughly cutting it off around the time of Augustine. Um, But I think I have maybe one or two that go a little later than that. So um, we will will be um, alternating picks. We're going to do our top five picks of patristic theology uh we did not discuss who would go first so father i will use my random number generator app which is an app i use all the time when i teach in terms of calling on my students and making important decisions about the class uh i just do everything with the random number generator so i'll let you call it in the air heads or tails heads he went with heads but it was tails oh Using the Maryland state quarter, of course. Um, so I guess that means that I get to go first in our draft. So I will select a book I'm currently rereading, but have taken a class on him with Fa- Father John Bear, uh, and that is Origin on First Principles. Uh, what a fantastic work it is. It is um, really sets the stage for much of Origen's thoughts on everything, including the scriptures. Um, in fact, that's sort of the culmination of the work is to talk about why the scriptures are so important and um, <clears throat> kind of how we should read them, which, of course, if you have read the rest of Origen, his preaching and some of his commentaries and stuff, you know that this is very, very important to him. So On First Principles is a kind of systematic treatise, one maybe maybe one of the first systematic theologies, really. And uh, and I think it's just hugely important. Father John Bear says, before Origin, everyone was playing soccer. Origin picked up the ball, started playing rugby, and we've all been playing rugby ever since. I love that. All right, Father, it's your pick, first pick. Yeah, well, I mean, you started off with a with a banger. You can't coming out swinging with with Origin. Um, I'm gonna come out with Augustine. I think you know. There's a lot to choose from St. Augustine, but I'm going to choose something that I think is the sort of Augustine sleeper pick. Okay. And, uh, sleeper everybody, pick in the first round, huh? Yeah. Everybody, everybody is going to, you know, they're going to bring up City of God. They're going to talk about confessions, but everybody needs to get on De Trinitate, which is St. Augustine on the Trinity. It's excellent if you are interested in Trinitarian theology and the sort of preeminent patristic kind of Western approach to Trinitarian theology. I think this is a great place to start. And I think Augustine Augustine does some really interesting things um, because he is still so connected to a sort of antique mode of argument and uh, writing. There's tons of really interesting metaphors. There's tons of 
sections where he talks about the psychological trinity and kind of uses uh, the mind to to kind of plumb the depths of of uh, the mystery of the trinity. Um, he uses natural examples. He kind of goes into a bunch of different ways to think about the trinity and in a lot of ways kind of lays a foundation for for kind of how we do trinitarian theology um especially in light of the the creeds and and sort of um you know what what orthodox christianity has to say about the triune god it's really good and it's it's really worth your time to read if you haven't uh, highly recommend it Excellent. Excellent. A great pick. Definitely a sleeper pick, but it was a good one. Okay, I'm going to continue in the same vein as to what I've already done. So my first pick was Origin, um, and so you might call this uh, stacking my team in terms of, of drafting players from the same team or something like that, you know. Um, so I'm going to go with Gregory of Nyssa's The Life of Moses. Ooh. Gregory of Nyssa's The Life of Moses. I just, we do something out of my church uh, once a month. I call it the Old Time Bible Hour. And we we bring in I bring in an excerpt from a patristic or medieval theologian of just how they read scripture. And we just talk about how they read scripture. And we recently did Gregory of Nyssa's Life of Moses. And man, there is just so much in there. It's a master class in terms of uh, patristic exegesis and how they did things and how they thought about the text. The first book within the book is um, kind of his literal reading of the Moses story. And then the second book, he goes into this really allegorical, very deep reading of the text. And it is it is amazing. I mean, um, we did the section recently on the on the plagues and how every plague kind of has a connection to some sort of sin or vice, beginning with uh, with the Egyptians trying to create a, a fake snake, which is like how philosophy tries to create a fake truth that mimics the gospel, but is not quite. Um, and then everything kind of after that is the unfolding of what happens if you reject the gospel and accept um, these kind of counterfeits. And so it was really, it's really, really well done. And so that will be my second pick. Gregory of Nyssa is the life of Moses. What about you, Father? What's your second pick? You are stacking your team. That's a good one. I had that on my list too. Um, wow, I'm, I'm torn. I should, should I keep with a theme? A theme is always a good thing, yeah. Okay, let's let's continue the theme then. And I'm going to give you another Western saint and another work on Trinitarian theology. St. Hilary of Poitiers de Trinitate as well. Um, also, kind of his text on Trinitarian theology. Uh, it's organized a little differently than St. Augustine's. And it's maybe a little bit more theological. Not that St. Augustine's isn't, but it's it's kind of what you would expect from reading a theological treatise on the Trinity rather than Augustine, who kind of comes at it from a few different angles. Uh, this is kind of straight up and down Trinitarian theology 101. Um, from, I think, in, in my opinion, um, one of the kind of lesser, maybe appreciated patristic theologians, especially coming out of the West. Um, so yeah, Hilary of Poitiers. Yes, hugely important. I mean, I, you know, I've talked about Christology in the medieval period, but Hilary's work really 
in many ways influences the discussion um, deeper than probably most people are aware of. Yeah, and and has has overlaps with so many other patristic theologians. Origin, mm-hmm. um, one of those things, you know, lots of influence, um, kind of trickling down and. The Cappadocians, you're going to see some similar themes. He's often referred to as the Athanasius of the West. Um, and so definite over, you know, de- definite kind of um, similarities with Athanasius on the incarnation. You're going to get a lot of similar um, sort of ideas coming through St. Hilary of Poitiers. Well, I guess that brings me to my third pick, which was Athanasius on the incarnation. Hey! <laughs> Yes, uh, a hugely important work in terms of uh, in terms of the development of theology. A hugely important work for me personally. Um, without it, I'm not sure that I would be uh, an Anglo-Catholic Christian like I am today. And uh, yeah, so I I mean, what's to be said about this book that hasn't already been said, um, other than that, it is just a beautiful explanation as to the whys um, of our faith. And I think that. One of the things I've always appreciated about it is not only the doctrinal claims he makes, but the sort of spirit of inquiry in which he engages the the questions. Um, he's always willing to go one question further. I mean, the whole book is him basically responding to these questions he sets up in the mouths of potential objectors. And uh, yeah, I think it's it's a masterful uh, work. Um, I, my favorite part is why is Christ? Why did Christ die on the cross? And the answer is because he had to be lifted up into the air, which is the domain of the prince of the power of the air, as a way of purging it. And I just think that's such a cool, out-of-the-box way of thinking. And of course, then, you know, he is crucified because his arms are outstretched so that he can invite everyone into his loving embrace. I mean, just so many great uh, articulations of of why the cross. It's it's really wonderful. So, well, Athanasius on the Incarnation. Yeah, well, that's a good one because that was going to be my next one. So <laughs> you shouldn't have said it. If I you hadn't I, said it. I might have skipped it and gone for something else. It was one of those important things, right? You know, like the the connection between the two. And I'm staring at both Saint Hilary of Poitiers, and then right underneath it, I'm like, I got to have the Athanasius of the East and the West, right? I've got to have right. both. And so I'm sitting there looking at it, and like, oh, Wes is definitely going to pick this. Yep. 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 I'm uh maybe surprisingly to some people right now I'm I'm pretty much batting a thousand in terms of Eastern fathers. I know, and I'm I'm bringing up the Western train over here. Um, That's not surprising. Yeah, I could go with another Western, <laughs> <laughs> or I could do uh, let's 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 shake it up a bit. I'm gonna go East for my pick. Um, I'm gonna go Saint John Chrysostom's six books on the priesthood. Mm, great pick. Um, yeah, I mean, what what can you say about St. John Chrysostom and his writing? It's all good. <laughs> yeah, uh, so good. So if if you if you if you haven't read any of Chrysostom's works, just just go start doing it. Um, I I think for me, particularly. Um, you know, I think I read six, the six books on the priesthood when I was in college, sort of around the time I was kind of really taking the the process of discernment seriously. Uh, so before I went to seminary, before any of that, and I was thinking about what it means to be in ministry and 
pursue the priesthood. I was like, you know, maybe I should see what some see what some of the uh, the greats had to say about it. And yeah, and I think it's really good too. I think the six books on the priesthood are really good because it's not just for prospective clergy or for people who are already priests. I think it's really good for everybody to read and kind of understand Chrysostom's uh, perspective because it gives you an insight into both the kind of practicality of, of what it means to be a priest in ministry, to uh, have a life of service and sacrifice and all those sorts of things, which is helpful for people who aren't priests to understand priests. And it's good for priests to remind themselves of what you should be doing and how you should be treating things and how you should be approaching uh, this particular calling and then how you should be exercising your priesthood. Uh, so I think it's one of those things good for the whole church to read um, to, to kind of keep keep us grounded and rooted in, in what priesthood is actually about. Yes. So much damage has been done, I think, in Anglican circles in particular by people who don't know what the priest, what the center of the priesthood actually is. You know, oh, they, yeah. they have conceptions of the priesthood as community organizer or as um, kind of nice guy who just gives you some nice words of advice every so often. And uh, and when you try and do too much, they don't really like that. Um, but really, uh, our ministry starts at the altar and works itself out from there. And uh, yeah, anyways, so yes, 100%. That's a great pick. <clears throat> My fourth pick is going to go way back, one of the earliest writers we have outside of the New Testament, and that's Justin Martyr, and I'm going to go with his apologies. Um, and the reason for that actually is a little surprising because, not surprising, but I had him lower on my list, but I've been rereading um, The Great Divorce by C.S. Lewis. And mm. there's, you know, when when the character gets to heaven uh, after the bus ride and he looks around and he sees everybody as these kind of malformed shadows, it reminds me very much of the, of the part in Gorgias where Plato says, all of us will go to a final judgment one day and some souls will show up and look inhuman because of all of the vices that they have um, kind of given themselves over to. And I, it just got me thinking. I mean, a part of apologies is Justin Martyr drawing all these parallels between um, Socrates and Plato and Christianity. And uh, I just think that's a really cool project. We just recently sang hymn number 299 in the 1940 hymnal, which is praise God who spoke through man, who has a whole verse about God speaking through Plato and Socrates. And so, uh, so yeah, so for that reason, I think that, that the way Justin Martyr uh, basically calls them proto-Christians um, and, uh, and kind of minds them for, um, for the wisdom that is in the, uh, in the texts, I think is really wonderful kind of in some ways connects to the Gregory of Nyssa pick because he talks about plundering the Egyptians there, mm -hmm. which is also something St. Augustine talks about as well. Um, and so, uh, so yeah, so I think Justin Martyr, um, who also wore the, the garb of a philosopher, which I think is really cool. Um, you know, so from very early Christianity has kind of taken on that um, charism, I guess. And I think that's really cool. So Justin Martyr apologies. That's a great pick too. I'll join you way back in the in the super early days and i'm gonna go with uh the didache and you know we can't really say like who wrote the didache the tradition of the church is uh that the didache is the teaching of the 12 
Um, so this is the the sort of apostolic teaching. And the Didache is, you want to talk about early, I mean, as early as you can get. Um, and so this is this is like a really important first century account of the practices of the church and the sort of um, lived sort of sacramental experience of the church in those earliest decades after uh, Christ and, and, you know, as the teaching and the ministry of the apostles has spread out, we have the Didache uh, and, and it was authoritative and it was received by the church as being authoritative. Uh, it goes into how the Eucharist is celebrated. It goes into the role and office of the bishop and the priest. It goes into, um, you know, practical ministerial experiences. It goes into baptism and how you perform baptism. Uh, really foundational um, to the life of the church and to the life of the church today because it shows us like direct connectivity to what we do now and what was done then. Uh, it's it's great. It's, sh it's short. It's not long. You can find free copies of it online. Um, just look up Didache, the Didache. And uh, yeah, really worth your time if you're interested in what Christianity looked like in the uh, earliest days of the church. Uh, spoiler alert, a lot like it does now. Uh, so super good. Excellent. Super, super good. Excellent. Well, um, <clears throat> mine have tended towards, I guess, exegesis, first two picks. On the incarnation, not so much, maybe more theology, and then Justin Martyr kind of doing that engagement with uh, with philosophy. I'm going to, my last pick, I'm going to go to the West, and I'm going to go early. I'm going to go Irenaeus against Heresies, which is a fantastic three volume at least the the one i have is the three volume set and uh yeah i mean it's a great articulation of early christian thought i mean he's very thorough in laying out what christians believe but especially since he develops the idea of the rule or the canon um and then um i think it's also helpful i mean we don't have very much writing about some of the heresies that the early church faced, especially Gnosticism and the various varieties of Gnosticism. And so kind of seeing Irenaeus lay out what it is, is helpful. I've, I've long felt that Gnosticism is a kind of uh, trumped up label. We like to put on things, you know, that we just don't like it's, Oh, that's Gnostic. It's like, you actually read Irenaeus and you see what Gnosticism is. And I think it's actually not quite as common as, <laughs> as the label gets used uh, would make you think. But anyways, but I think it's it's really cool. I, I also appreciate, I think one of the underrated parts of Irenaeus is his exegesis of scripture. He does engage in some, maybe we could call it like proto-allegorical reading. I mean, he's not, it's not as fully developed as it is in someone like Origen or Gregory of Nyssa, but he certainly lays the ground level and he does talk about sort of hidden or spiritual meanings in the text. Um, and I think it's actually really interesting to see kind of what his problem is with some of the Gnostics and their reading of the text, because one could say, well, allegorical reading allows you to read whatever you want in the text. And Irenaeus kind of puts some boundaries around what spiritual reading looks like. So his big problem with the Gnostics, in my opinion, is that the Gnostics were using a matrix outside of scripture to make sense of scripture. It wasn't using categories scripture lays down or even really speaks to. Right, they were using this complex ionology, and this procession comes from this procession, mm -hmm. comes from this procession, and they're reading that into the text. Whereas uh, 
Christian allegorical reading in, in an Orthodox setting uh, kind of allows scripture to dictate the categories. And then those categories are seen throughout all of scripture. It's kind of like when you look at a Van Gogh painting and you know it's Van Gogh because of the van, the brushstrokes. You can say, oh, well, those brushstrokes. So it's the it, Christian allegorical reading is recognizing God's brushstrokes in all the stories that we read. But the Gnostics didn't allow it um, or didn't do that very well. So anyways, so Irenaeus against heresies. Great book. Father, your last pick. Yeah, that was such a great pick, too. Uh, and I think it's like it's super important to remember that allegorical exegesis and that whole project, you know, is um, it's just it's just not pick anything out of the text you want and make it fit. It has it has rules. It has its own internal integrity. And uh, it's. Yeah, we could do a whole episode on that, I think, and probably have some we have before time. but we should probably revisit it actually i mean i think we could certainly go um we could do like a deeper. overview of like the four senses and like kind of a medieval oh, yeah. exegetical project anyway oh, yeah. um we could call dr borsma again because we got to make sure he gets he gets you know up there with uh dr harrower and um Jun dr junius johnson in terms of uh most most appearances on the show yeah well yeah i'll always agree to that um okay so my last pick i'm torn i'm torn because i have two that i'm very very you know it's 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 a it's a toss-up for me uh let's do okay i'm gonna go with pope saint gregory the great and i'm gonna do the liber reguale pastoralis on pastoral care um super super good really helpful to understand the role and the office of the bishop, uh, especially at such an early time, kind of laying down in a theological way and in a very clear, direct way. His writing style is really good. It's really clear um, on the role of the bishop, how the bishop works in the family of the church, how the, uh, the kind of ministry kind of proceeds out um, and what leadership in the church and what um sort of a sacramental headship in in the episcopal office what it means and kind of what it doesn't mean um and so yeah if you're if you're if you're sort of working through maybe if you're not anglican or, or roman catholic Eastern orthodox if you're if you're sort of trying to work through what it means to to have an episcopal ministry in the church and um uh, you know the the kind of three threefold order of ministry. This is a really great place to start, and it's really well done. Uh, and and you know Gregory the Great is the great for a reason. Um, so super good. And a, a slight little like honorable mention is his you know work liturgically. Hmm. Uh, not that he actually wrote the Gregorian Sacramentary, but uh, he was a major influence in the West in uh, regularizing the liturgy. And so, you know, he, he gets two thumbs up from me for that because I love it. He gets an honorable mention from me for Moralia on Job, which is another fantastic patristic exegesis. That was, that's in my honorable mention list. Yeah. I, uh, well, let's do our honorable mention list. So obviously we, we have our five picks. We'll put a poll up on Twitter and on um, on Spotify that should let people pick which slate of official picks wins. So you can't judge us on these, but 
um, I do think it's important that we give some honorable mentions. So obviously we have the morale on Job. What else do you yep. have? Do you want me to go through all of them? Yeah, just real quick. There's a couple. There's not many. Um, I have St. Ambrose of Milan on the mysteries. Mm-hmm. Uh, really great sacramental theology. Just so good. Um, I also included Eusebius's ecclesiastical history. I also had that. That was my fourth, but I swapped Justin Martyr for it. Yes, super, super important to the <laughs> to the life of the church, and just a the first church historian. Um, it just we would we really wouldn't know what we know in a lot of cases without his contemporary historical work. Yep. Um, and then also, like, as a kind of side with that, uh, I think we can include um, the Venerable Bede. In, I also in had list. that. And he wrote his ecclesiastical history uh, of the English people, yep. um, which is also very important. Um, and it's one of my favorite texts historically. Um, and then a super early, early uh, work that I think is really great uh, the first epistle of St. Clement to the Corinthians. And this is an interesting thing because, you know, St. Clement is contemporary with the apostles. He's listed, uh, mentioned by St. Paul, uh, and he's one of those apostolic men. And we have, you know, in, in the same sort of genre and style and mode of a Pauline epistle, we have his uh, pastoral letter to the church in Corinth. Super helpful. Uh, really lays out some really interesting things in relating to the the three orders of ministry from a very early time, uh, dealing with schism, strife within a church community. So, you know, it might be a good thing if, if you have uh, some internal conflict in a local parish church to do a study on, on that particular epistle because of how St. Clement uh, helps the church sort of navigate that particular uh, issue. Um, it's really good, and it's it's not super long, so easy to digest. Excellent, excellent, very good. Yes, um, ditto on most of those. Um, I would also. I also was thinking about Maximus the Confessors on the Cosmic Ministry of Jesus Christ. Yeah, very good. Uh, Pseudo Dionysius, the Areopagites, Celestial Hierarchy, which is very important for medieval theology. Um, Super and, important for Aquinas. Yes, and of course, and a lot of others, like Hugh of St. Victor. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's not a sacramentalist episode until I get to mention Hugh of St. Victor at least once. Um, well, do, I, do I get to mention Delubac then? I mean, we're talking about medieval exegesis, so yes. <laughs> he does have a book on that. I, a four volume book. Exactly. Um, and finally, I actually, you said all mine because I had both Eusebius and Bede, and I also had Gregory the Great's pastoral rule. So, um, yes, great minds think alike or, or something like that. Very good. Well, listeners, uh, be sure to tell us who you think won today's draft, who is the better team going forward, but also tell us what we missed. What you would pick on your team if you were drafting uh, works of patristic theology. Um, we will have uh, some polls in Spotify and everything like that. But if you're watching this on YouTube, feel free to drop a comment below and let us know who you think um, deserves to be put on the list. 
Awesome. Father Creighton, would you give us a blessing? Absolutely. Let us pray. The blessing of Almighty God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost be amongst us and remain with us always. Amen. Amen.